Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Well, it is good to be together today on this Palm Sunday. Uh, You know, it's been a crazy weekend. I'm glad every one of you is here, that you made it here. I hope your homes are in decent shape. I hope your vehicles uh, are okay. Uh, I've heard from several people, uh, friends of mine in the Middle Tennessee area, um, one, they had to leave their house, uh, came back to six inches of water in it, cars uh, totaled. Um, we just need to be praying for uh, the people that we know, our neighbors, our friends here in Middle Tennessee, who just... Um, so this is one thing I know about Middle Tennessee folk. Uh, you guys are resilient, and you guys understand what it means to deal with uh, storms and de- destruction and I am thankful to be a part of a church that just understands what it means to help. Um, today on this Palm, or Palm Sunday, uh, we have a little a special thing that we're doing today. Uh, after the service, we invite you to stick around for a little bit. We're going to go out to the blessing box that is on our property. And this is a place that is becoming a beacon of hope for people who just can't quite put the uh, things together. Um, food is available out there to people who need it. And it is exciting for me as uh, one of your pastors here to be able to be here on the church property throughout the week, to see people coming in, dropping off food and other things, uh, and then to see people come and take and to receive. And, And some would say, well, how are you managing this? Like, how are you making sure that the people take only what they need and that the, you know, I serve a big God, and I believe that God can orchestrate things better than we can. And this is one of those things that uh, we are just letting become very organic here in the community. This is not the only blessing box in the community. Uh, a week or so ago, there was an article in uh, the newspaper about the blessing boxes in the borough. And uh, it's neat to be a part of a network that's not just a Church of the Nazarene thing. It's not just a real life thing. It is just the church doing what they can to, to, to meet those in need. Um, I've been noticing in our community, if you open your eyes uh, and watch the streets that you're driving down, there's a lot of need in our community. And I'm thankful that we at Real Life get to be a part of that. So today we're going to, we're going to uh, dedicate that box. And we've got um, some people that I just want to say a huge thank you to. And one of those is Heather Smith. Heather Smith is here with us today. Um, it is good to have you back, Heather. Um, because we've missed you here, and I know it's been kind of a a rough season for you, but thank you for just helping us connect to the need in our community. Um, You are a rock star when it comes to this, and we are just thankful that you get um, to help us help our community. So thank you, Heather, for the ways that you do that. Um, We also want to recognize a special family that's with us today. And this is the family of uh, Gary Blackburn, in which the box is dedicated. Um, Most of you probably don't know Gary, but Gary is a gentleman 
uh, from our community who found his way uh, to NA here at Real Life. Again, another way that I'm just so thankful that at Real Life, we get to be a part of restoration. We get to be a part of doing what we can to help people in some of their darkest moments of life. And so I'm thankful for the NA ministry that meets here uh, three days a week um, and the ways that they're just helping. Gary, Gary was one of those guys who just found his way here and um, was able to find some help and some healing. Gary's family's with us, um, his wife and uh, his daughters, and um, we are so glad that you're here, and we're glad that his name is on that box because really Gary represents what we want to be at Real Life, a place, a beacon of hope for people. And um, I wish that we could fix everyone's situation. I wish that we could just snap our fingers or pray that magical prayer and things would just get solved. But that's just not the way life works sometimes. You know, I'm thankful for real life. uh, And I've said this before, I'm going to say it again because I want this to become uh, just ingrained in who we are at real life. And that is this. There are two faces to real life. One of those faces is a real dark face. It's, uh, it's the brokenness of life. It's the hurt. It's the pain. It's the heartache. Um, and you have lived through what it means to live through that kind of real life. Um, for each of us, that story may be a little different. But that's not the end of the story. And here at Real Life, we believe that, it's not, that, that the darkness of real life is not the end of the story. It's not what we have to settle for. But there is another side to that. And that's the, the life that Christ has for us. The real life of transformation that we get to be a part of because Christ did the work on our behalf. And so, to Gary's family, uh, we are glad that you're here today. Um, and we are thankful uh, that his name's on that box and that we get to be a part of working with you. Because I know you guys... You guys fill that box. I don't know how often you're here, but I'm thankful that you're one of those families in our community that is a part of filling that box. So after service, we're going to go out there and we're just going to anoint that box uh, on, uh, in the name of Jesus, that it will be more than just a box with some food in it, but it would be exactly what people need in this community. Uh, I know the need is much bigger than that box, but it's our part in helping that. And I would just probably guess that uh, as we journey through uh, uh, our history and as we look into the future, that that will be just the beginning of what we at Real Life can do to make a difference in this community. Christians um, are people who follow Christ, and Christ goes to those who are hurting and in need. And so we're going to follow him there. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for uh, Gary. Uh, I thank you for his family. I thank you for those like them, like us, who believe that living out our faith is not just about showing up on Sundays, singing a few songs, checking the box, and going home, but it's really about finding ways to live into your mission, and that is a mission of redemption and transformation. So, Lord, thank you for letting us to be a part of that. And, I, God, I, Lord, I just pray that you stretch our hearts and our minds in understanding what that's all about. And, Lord, that you would help us be a 
generous people who give um, and give and give, that we would be a people who try to outgive you. Um, so stretch us in those thinkings. Um, whether it's food, cans, boxes, uh, clothing, other things that people need, or whether it's just the, the finances that we give so that we can help contribute to things like that. Lord, thank you that we get to be a part of that. And Lord, I pray that you continue to heal the brokenness around us through people like us. In your name, amen. Amen. Um, so you'll be hearing more and more about the box. Uh, and uh, I just want to encourage you, when you do your weekly shopping, grab a few extra things. Um, maybe put your stuff in the big part of the uh, shopping cart or the buggy, as you call it around here. Um, put your stuff down there. And then use that um, where you normally put kids. You know, if you have a kid, you probably need to put them there. But um, use that as your blessing box part of the cart. And as you're walking the aisles, think about those non-perishable things like canned foods, like uh, pastas and rice, uh, think about beans. Think about toiletries that you can just put in that part of your cart. And when you get to the checkout, pay for it all together. But uh, bring those bags back and drop them in there. And let's just let God multiply what little we have. I remember there's a story about a little boy who just had a couple loaves of uh, bread and some fish. And the Lord multiplied it. Let's believe that God's going to continue doing that through the box. All right. Hey, this weekend, um, as I've been preparing for uh, the, uh, the message today, there is a part of this weekend that really brought something up, a uh, memory for me. And this was years ago uh, in Michigan when we were there. Uh, it was, uh, Christy and I had gone to an appointment at a doctor, and we were on our way, taking kind of like the back roads to uh, this area where we were going to do some shopping. And it was one of those freak storms that just came out of nowhere. It was one of those moments where uh, we knew that there, were, there was rain in the area, but it got bad, and it got bad quick. And we were on this road, and the rain was pouring. There was thunder. There was lightning. There were strong winds. And I remember coming around this bend on this road, and all of a sudden I see cars pulled off, and I see a car off the road down the 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 gradual hill and it had come to stop uh, quite abruptly there were people it had just you could tell that it had just happened uh the storm somehow had caused this car to go off the road because there were people who were scurrying out of their cars to get down to the vehicle i stopped and i pulled over and i jumped out as well to go see what i might be able to do not knowing what the situation was and as i got down to the car I noticed that there was a driver who was pinned um, by the steering wheel, and he um, looked somewhat unresponsive, uh, but there was someone on that side who was trying to tend to him. There was uh, a passenger, uh, came to find out it was the, the driver's wife, and there was someone on that side, had the door open, was um, kind of in in the car a little bit, trying to... to assess the situation to figure out how we might be able to help. And I, I went to the passenger side, and, um, I, and I, I, I came, came next to the other person, and I looked in, and I recognized that she was unresponsive as well. Um, I hope you never, ever 
have to come upon a situation like that. I hope you never, ever have to be the one to put your fingers on the carotid artery of a person to see if they're living. Um, I got to do that. And I couldn't find a pulse. The other person was trying as well, couldn't find a pulse. We were communicating this. Someone was on the phone with uh, EMS, and it was not good. And so there's this driver and his wife, and that day, things went horribly wrong. The woman didn't make it. But you know, when you show up at a situation like that, there's this assessing that has to happen. And sometimes you find stuff that you don't want. You, you find stuff that you just wish you could push aside and not deal with. That day, the man, um, as he was coming to, uh, we were trying to help him, but not quite deal with the fact that his wife was gone. EMS got there, and they took over. We shared what we knew with them, and we walked away. We let the professionals do what they do best. They also, they started their own assessing process, and, and I didn't stick around. I'd had enough. And, and as we left, I found myself broken. The memory's still real. But I found myself broken, wishing that I could have done something, but I couldn't. I wish that I could have prayed that prayer and brought her back to life. I was praying hard in those moments, but she never came back to life. And I don't know why. I don't know why. This morning, as we think about Good Friday, or about Palm Sunday, we can't, um, we normally talk about cheering and laughing and hollering and palm branches waving and, and cloaks covering the ground. And, um, that's not the passage today. The passage today is the very first thing that Jesus did after he entered um, after he entered Jerusalem that day. I want to read the passage for you. It's in, um, it's Matthew 21, 12 through 17. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to go to give you praise. 
Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. This is the word of God for us today. I don't know what you expect out of Jesus. I, I think what you expect out of Jesus probably changes depending on the situation in your life. I don't know if you expect Jesus to be a nice, cordial individual who just kind of makes everything better. You know, he pins roses on noses and he uh, helps things look better. But in this passage of scripture, that's not what Jesus did. He walked into Jerusalem, rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, which was an odd thing for him to do because this processional was very reminiscent for the people of Jerusalem that day. They would have understood this. It was a Roman custom when uh, someone conquered uh, in foreign lands, there would be a processional where the, the, the general or would, would, would ride in on a white stallion and would be praised for his accomplishments. Well, Jesus did the same thing, but he was on a donkey, which is not very stallion-esque. It, it, it's very much like, really? The Messiah? I mean, don't you, you deserve a, a stallion? But he came in on a donkey. See, sometimes we don't get what we expect out of Jesus. And Jesus, so he, walk, he rides into Jerusalem that day, and people are celebrating. There should be a party, but Jesus goes into the temple, and he starts just throwing things. And I was talking to the worship team beforehand, and they're like, Jeremy, you just have to take the table and just kind of throw it this morning. You know, that'll get everyone's attention this morning. And, and I would do that, except I've got stuff here, and I don't know what I would break. But see, sometimes we don't get what we expect out of Jesus. And that, more, or that day in, in the temple, we did not get what we thought. Jesus was ticked off. He was mad because the temple was a place that had been transformed into something that it was not designed for. And that is taking advantage of people. When he walked in, he assessed the situation. It'd be like him, like when I showed up on that situation in, on that, in that car that day, Jesus shows up and he's looking around and says, what in the world is going on here? The temple is to be a place, it's to be a bridge between heaven and earth where people can meet God and there can be these, the worship can happen there. And this is not what's happening. He saw vendors there who were selling Uh, animals for sacrifice. You see, people were coming to Jerusalem to sacrifice, to worship, and they're not going to haul all of their their sacrificial animals with them. They're going to buy them when they get to Jerusalem. So just like, you know, when uh, gas prices are high because supply is low or demand is high, uh, here you have all these people needing these animals. And so what happened? The people who had animals said, hey, I'm going to make a quick buck here. I'm going to transact business, and they need what I've got, so I've, they're, they're a captive audience here. Some of them also had, some, one of the offerings you could give involved money, where you could, like, give money. And, well, to do that, you had to change the money into the appropriate currency because people were coming from foreign lands to do this. Well, money changers had them at their disposal. I'm going to charge them so, for this transaction fee. You guys understand transaction fees, right? No one likes them. But we all recognize that we really don't have much choice, right? If we want to use the service, we got to pay the fee. So Jesus looks into this place that is supposed to be about worship, and it's supposed to be about praise, and it's supposed to be about restoration and redemption and transformation, and all he saw was transacting business, taking advantage of people. 
he flips the table. He is irate. He is furious. And rightly so. This temple was a symbol of how God shows up in the midst of people's worst brokenness. And when all that people have to see is more of the same being taken advantage of, the temple has lost its purpose. It would be like for us, uh, we don't call this a temple. The temples that we talk about these days are you know, our bodies that are temples of the Holy Spirit. But, but this is a, a church building. You, know, you are the church that ex- meets in a building. Um, but if we decided, you know, we're just not going to do that worship thing anymore. We're going we're gonna to conduct business here in such a way that we're going to um, elevate ourselves while other peoples are put down. What was happening in the temple that day was the exact opposite of what we are doing through a blessing box. It's the exact opposite of what we are doing through NA. It's the exact opposite of things like that. So when we think about Jesus showing up in our midst, what do you expect Jesus to do in your life? What do you expect from Jesus? I, I've been a pastor long enough to know now that people have all sorts of expectations of Jesus. And sometimes they're just not very realistic. You might say, Pastor, how can an expectation of Jesus be unrealistic? Jesus is Jesus, right? Jesus should be able to accomplish anything. And so when I ask for anything, she, he should be able to take care of that. But sometimes the things that we expect out of Jesus, we expect them because we have learned to expect those things from other people. We expect Jesus to give us riches and fame and wealth and all the stuff we ever want. And that's, that's really not all what Jesus is about. There may be times where he blesses you, and I imagine we could go through this sanctuary, and there would be stories about how God blessed us in some very amazing ways. But that's not always what happens. Because if following God was all about getting this stuff, what do we do with Jesus on a cross? Jesus followed God to the letter of the law. He crossed every T, dotted every I, and he ended up on a cross. So something about following God is not about accumulation of stuff it's it's more about laying our life down and so when jesus shows up what do you expect jesus shows up in unexpected ways at unexpected times and does unexpected things let's just get that one clear here so if you have an expectation of who jesus is and what jesus wants to do in your life just recognize that's not what jesus is probably going to do And if you really want to know what Jesus is capable of and the things that Jesus is just in the habit of doing, spend time in Scripture. Find the rhythms of God and recognize that there are certain things that you can expect out of God, but they're all about God and not about us. So sometimes the things that we pray, the things that we ask for, the things that we want, they may be very good but I'm going to trust the perspective of a God who can see things much better than I can. You know, if I'm walking through the woods, um, I'm going to see the trees around me. But God 
has a perspective where he's out above the trees and he gets to look in on me walking through that forest, but he can see so much else. So sometimes what God does through Jesus in your life, God does because his perspective is different than yours. And I guess we have to wrestle with the fact of this. Are you willing to trust God with God's perspective and what God wants to do in your life? Or are you going to argue with God because you think you know best? I would encourage you to really think about the answer to that question. And the life of, well, what we call the life of holiness around here is a life of turning ourselves over to God. Saying, God, fill me with more of you and less of me. So that I can be a living, breathing, walking testimony for the people around me. So that when I show up at an accident, I can be your hands and feet there. And I may not understand all that's going on, Lord, but I know that you're at work here. It may not be an accident in your life. It may be another situation that you've wrestled with. And, and I wish I could explain everything to you about God. But in my best theological training, I can say this to you. God does unexpected things in unexpected ways and in unexpected times. And when we start pigeonholing God, saying this is how God works, and this is only the way God works, be ready to get rocked. Get ready to get rocked because God has something else for you. I've just begun praying, Lord, stretch me. That's a dangerous prayer. Don't pray it too quickly. Because when you pray, it's like the prayer, Lord, give me patience. Dangerous prayer. You really got to make sure you want patience before you pray for that because you're, you're going to get some testing there. But think about what you want from Jesus. What is it? Why do you want that? Why do you think that's what Jesus wants for you? I am loving the fact that we're reading through Scripture uh, as a church. Uh, we have made it through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have made it through Acts, the Acts of the Apostle, the story of the birth of the early church. Uh, we are now into Romans. And if you read the post that I put up this week, um, Romans may be one of the most theological letters that Paul ever wrote. It is deeply riddled with just an awareness of who we are as God's people. So as we're reading this, we are learning the patterns of God. We are learning the rhythms of God. And while they were rhythms back then, we are finding that these rhythms show up even in our day. So, I mean, imagine yourself in the temple that day. What would you have thought before Jesus showed up? You hear the commotion out in the streets. You're doing your thing in the temple. You're worshiping God. You're giving your offerings. You're, you're learning about God. And um, what would you have thought about the state of affairs in that? Would you like, oh yeah, this is just what we do. You know, the money changers, that makes sense. The people selling animals, that, that makes sense. This is just the way things are, folks. 
things should never just be the way they are. Unless God is smack dab in the middle of it. The temple scene is all about offering. It's all about what we give in response to what God has given to us. Worship is about our response to a God who's always doing something in our life. That's what worship is. You never instigate worship. It never starts with you. You never um, work up the, the, the gumption to worship. Your worship is always a response. And so when you come in here and you think, oh, ho-hum, gosh, this is boring. Might I just suggest to you that God is wanting to do something in your life that you haven't quite gotten a hold of yet? Because the reason we come here is not because our parents drug us here. Well, if you're a little kid, that is your reason. But as you become a teenager, you start thinking, well, do I really want to go to church? And you have to make that decision. Your parents still may drag you to church. But you know what? That's a point of transition where you have to begin thinking, is this, am I buying into this? I am so thankful, so thankful that my parents never gave me the option. Um, in fact, I, was a, I, I ran track, and when we lived in Hong Kong, track meets were on Sundays. And my parents were fine that I went to track meets after church. Um, and there were some conversations we had. I'll call them conversations. Where I'm like, but I don't want to go to church today. I need to be at the track getting warmed up. They're like, you can do that after church. And I'm so thankful that my parents ingrained that rhythm in me. Because showing up among a people who worship God because God has shown up and is inviting them, that, is the, that may be the best place you can spend your life is among a people like that. Jesus wants us to be able to give our offerings as a response to his grace at work in our life. And Jesus showing up in our midst is all about that grace becoming real, becoming tangible, becoming physical. Jesus is all about that. And so for you and I, as you think about God showing up in your life, what is that prompting you to? What is your response to the move of God in your life? And you might say, I'm still not aware of what that move looks like. I don't understand that. I, 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 don't, I don't understand what that sounds like. I don't understand what that looks like. That's why we spend time together as a people. That's Because we, we gather around those rhythms and we learn those stories. We learn those narratives and they become formative in our life. That's why spending time in, among a church is important. Let me just poke the bear a little bit here this morning. Look at the things that you spend the most of your time on. You are being formed and shaped by them. Even if they are intangible items, you are being formed and shaped by them. 
So it is no wonder when people are not a part of church for them to not understand why we function the way we do. Because we're being formed one way, they're being formed another. And sometimes those two ways have a hard time communicating. But let me just say this here at Real Life. The way that God forms us is always a gracious way for those who are choosing another way. The way God is forming us and shaping us is always to be a way of grace to those that we don't agree with. Think about that for a moment. Because if those who choose another way are pushed out further by those who seem to have, or we, we at least communicate that we have the way, how will they ever walk back across the bridge? And so for you and I, we live in a day, and sometimes if you're like me, I scratch my head and think, how in the world am I going to be a pastor who leads a congregation, but also just lives life among brokenness? And I'm going to say this. God shows up and gives us grace and power through his Holy Spirit to be able to be ambassadors of hope and peace and transformation. We don't receive just to have. We receive to give. So, I want to give you a way to practice that. Practice that through a box that we call a blessing box. Practice sharing what you have with others. And the conversations that you will have in your head and in your heart about, oh my goodness, but how do I even know that this is going to the right people? Trust God. How do I know that I'm, gonna, that I'm giving enough? Trust God. How do I know that people aren't taking more than they should? Trust God and know that God knows far better than you or I. So God shows up and God is showing up in your life. And I just wonder what, what physical, actual ways is God showing up in you, leaking out of you? And as we think about Palm Sunday, let us be a people who think about the fact that sometimes God's going to show up in our lives. God's going to assess the situation in our life. And God may just actually overturn some tables in your life. Instead of getting mad about it, be thankful for the fact that God loves you enough to turn the tables upside down for you. Lord Jesus, this morning... We are thankful that you show up in probably the last place that you should have shown up. And that was in the middle of Jerusalem where there were those who were praising you that day, but there were those who were plotting your assassination. You could have gone anywhere else, but you walked into the midst of the lion's den.
God, there are a bunch of people in our world and some of us in this very room who probably don't quite deserve you to show up in our lives, yet you still do it. And I am thankful for that grace. And I'm thankful that you are a God who wants to show up right in the middle of the trouble and bring about new life. So Lord, I'm thankful. We, as a church, are thankful. May you do a mighty work in us this Holy Week as we approach Easter. We pray this in your mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. I'm gonna give you a blessing like I normally do, but I'm not gonna do it in here. We're gonna go out there. And so, uh, Heather, um, would you and Gary's family, would you, you get to leave first, all right? You guys, you five, six, you stand up, you start heading out. Uh, Chris, turn the lights up anymore if you can. Um, and here's what I want just to do. I want us all to go around that blessing box out there. There may be some other guests that we have, but we're going to, uh, we're going to say a few words and we're going to anoint that box and we're going to pray for them. So church, service isn't quite done. Please hope you can stay with us out of the blessing box. Go. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you would like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org. Thanks again for listening.